If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions, and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm Tai Hua, here with my co-host, John Cons, and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Every week, you can expect practical advice to help you move Jesus' mission forward in your parish. Today, we're discussing the four things we would focus on to build a thriving rural parish. John, how are we doing? I'm doing great, Ty. I'm I'm excited today. We we've had a series of interviews with Catholic ministry professionals, experts in the field, but today we have a good old-fashioned topical podcast. Just the old crew, the Wolf Pack, you know, the dynamic duo here to share just just the knowledge. <laughs> and so I'm excited for today. It should be fun. But I I do think we're in the new year, right? It's a brand new year, brand new us. I'm curious, Ty. Have you uh, pick out any New Year's resolutions? I have, and I'm a little bit ashamed to say what it is, but I'm gonna say it. The Ooh. doom scrolling for me. You know this. I send a lot of so many like, funny videos memes. and reels and memes. Like I'm the meme king. Oh, I love it. And there's not one you can send me that I haven't already seen. So sometimes I have to fake that I've never seen it. Just so that people continue to talk to me. So doom scrolling is one. So my New Year's resolution is to do less of it. And by less of it, um, maybe it'll stop me from sending out a bunch. I've kind of relegated it down to one meme that I can send or a video that I can send per day. I've, I've broken it a couple of times just because it's habit. But I'm, I'm trying my best. How about you? What are you doing? Well, first of all, I just I want to applaud you on that. I think that's great. I I do love your memes and they're usually hilarious. And when I have the time, I do try to catch up on all of them. <laughs> but I that's tough to do. Um yeah, I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that I'm as good as I'm ever going to get and it's just all downhill from here. So, I don't spend a lot of time on New Year's resolutions, but I I do Well, I guess it, one that it's not I didn't wait to New Year's to start it. But about maybe a month, a month ago, I had the same thing where I was like, I was just on my phone too much, scrolling through, do stuff like that. So I, I am not just not scrolling, but I'm trying to put my phone, like if I'm at home and I'm with my kids and my wife, I'm trying to put my phone preferably in another room, but at least up like on the fridge or somewhere out of sight where I have to work to get to it. Otherwise, I just, I open it on autopilot. So I'm kind of along the same lines cool. as you not a digital detox, but just trying to really own that space so that I can be more present here and now with my kids. And I, I think that's one of the big things for me going into the new year. Dang. I think I'm going to put my snacks up there too. Cause that's one thing that <laughs> I really need to work on is losing some LBSs. If you know what I mean? <laughs> I no, I think you, you look, you look great. You're bikini ready, but yeah. So <laughs> your wife actually had mentioned something about, my face so i'm gonna try to smile more i <laughs> it's very foreign to me because what i think is a smile literally comes if if our dear listeners are listening go to our youtube page and just watch an episode and you'll know what i'm talking about i feel like i'm smiling but it's literally <laughs> this it, it's alert there's a learning curve with with the medium here especially now that we started recording them but yeah while you're on youtube looking at ty's rbf go ahead and follow the youtube page as well yes give us a like yep. give us a follow that'd be helpful well let, let's dive in today we're 
this uh, this topic to me, it's been on my mind. It's been percolating for a while. Um, rural parishes, we, we both have um, significant experience in rural parishes. We both attended yep. rural parishes. I grew up in one. I don't know. You grew up in Worthington and that that's, it's not a big town. It's not a small town. I don't know if you'd count that as rural, but certainly the, the towns around it are very rural. Um, and so I have a love for our rural parishes and a heart for this conversation I had with a priest not too long ago, um, where he was discussing kind of the the struggles of of working in a rural parish, of trying to lead a rural parish. And I would if I were to sum up kind of the the two main points that that he was making, the two main uh, struggles that he runs up against, frustrations, whatever you might call them, was really just kind of a, a, a lot of apathy that you experience in those communities because they're, 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 they're not very big. People just kind of know who they are and they know what they're about. Um, and there's limited resources and you can't, you know, in a, in a bigger parish, in a bigger city, you can kind of hide from the fact of whether or not you're evangelizing because there's just a deeper pool of people that might happen to find your parish and fill the pews in a small town, you don't have that in a rural parish. You don't have that. So if you're, if you're not evangelizing or for whatever reason, your efforts aren't really taking root and bearing fruit and showing in the way um, that pews are being filled, that can be really frustrating. And again, because they're smaller, you're limited in your resources, not just in maybe technology or the buildings that are available might be older, but also just the number of people that you can tap into. So it's hard to engage people to enter more deeply into relationship with Jesus through his church, sometimes in a small town. And um, you know, it's just, and then the other part of it is this is, it's a small staff. So a lot of times there's not a lot of bandwidth either. You've got, you know, maybe one full-time staff person, you might have two part-time, but a lot of times it, it's just the pastor's job. Everything falls on the pastor to, to do the work. So they don't have that bandwidth to do a new thing, to, to start a new initiative. And so as, as we dive into this, I've been thinking about it for a while and the solutions or the ideas that I wanted to offer for how a person could build a thriving parish, even in a rural community where, where you know, people are really hungry, they're connected to the dirt, all those things, um, through the, the agriculture that usually comes with that. There's, there's a lot of good there that we can tap into. There's a lot of heart there. There's a lot that we could grab onto. But I wanted to offer ideas and solutions that weren't technology focused, technology forward, but were really just practical ways of doing ministry that, that maybe could take root and bear some really great fruit. So uh, what do you think? Should we dive into those? I think so. I think it'll be a good topic for our radio listeners, um, 88.1, Siouxland Catholic Radio, shout out to them. So I think in, in that diocese there, there's going to be a lot of rural parishes. So I think this is really good. What do you yeah. got for us? So uh, the first one, and this isn't one of the main points that I want to cover, but the first one is really, I, if you want to bear fruit in your ministry, seek after holiness, seek after the heart of God, be, just be so holy that people can't look at you without seeing Jesus and, and just be that saint in the community. And, and I promise you that is going to affect the souls around you. That's what the saints do. And so that's just number one. Um, that's, that's just that first kind of little primer, that first idea. Uh, but really this first intentional effort, this first thing that you could do that, that I have seen bear fruit is simply to invite people to pray with you. Um, and, and when you do that, you're, you're, you're really teaching them to pray. And, and so many times we, we get used to um, just saying the Our Fathers, the Hail Marys, you know, and a lot of that gets pushed. But to really focus on, on helping them to understand, not just memorizing those prayers, but what it means to hear God speak 
through your prayer, right? To help them to, to perceive those movements of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. And, and something really amazing happens when people experience real prayer. And it, it you know, and again, like I said, it's got to be more than just the Hail Marys, the Our Fathers, the Glory Bees, but this meditation on the life of Christ, um, prayer that seeks to hear God's voice so that we can respond to God speaking into our lives. And, and I think something as simple as, as sharing your prayer of Lexio, or if, especially if you're a pastor in a real parish, maybe opening up the parish and saying, hey, come pray with me. I've got to pray the office of the divine readings every day. I have these, these six times I've got to meet and I've got to, I've got to pray. I'd really love you to come pray with me. And in doing so, right, you're, you're going to have that opportunity to teach them to pray. But then while they're there afterwards, you, you just take a few moments, hey, what's God saying to you? And then when somebody says, what does that mean? Or, or how do I know if God is speaking to me? That's when you can really speak into those moments where God is already active in the space. You're probably in the presence of God if you're doing this in the church. Might also be an opportunity to invite them into the rectory, right? Make them a part of your life and your community. But the beauty of this one, right, inviting them into your prayer life is that it's something you're already doing. So it's not going to take up a lot of mental bandwidth. It won't take up a lot of extra time. You just need to be intentional about scheduling it and inviting people into it. Um, yeah, another benefit of it is building up community around Jesus is literally like 80 to 90% of parish ministry. That's what, that's what you do, right? You, you are living life, especially as a sacramental church. We are living life with Christ through these sacraments. And we're then you're just building up community around it. So prayer as a sacramental, it, it's got Christ there, and then you're just building a fellowship around it. And that's really powerful. Um, you know, and another then, to leapfrog off of this, and this will tie in in a little bit, oftentimes the people who are drawn to something like opening up your opportunity to pray with you, um, those people are often powerful prayer intercessors. They might even have the spiritual gift of intercessory prayer. So if these are the people that are coming, you're, you're going to be able to tap into them and ask them to intercede for the real needs of your parish, to ask them to, to intercede for those things that you perceive in prayer, um, that, that you see in ministry, that you know need that divine touch. And, and when they have that gift for it, it, it just becomes a really powerful way for them to tap into the gifts that God has given them, and it becomes a ministry that, that feeds itself. Um, and, and then finally, it just, it's, it's a beautiful way to kind of cultivate the soil in your community. Um, from the inside out, you know, starting with prayer, which which is the lifeblood of the Christian life, of the Catholic life. And and I even love the idea of maybe what it starts to look like, or even as, if you don't like the idea of inviting them into the church and just sitting there and doing it, teaching them to go and be prayer warriors in your community. Maybe you're going to walk around the community. Maybe that you like to pray a rosary and intercede for the families that live right around the parish, whatever it might be. You can invite them into something like that too. So it doesn't have to look like any one specific thing, but what it is, is an opening of your spiritual life and inviting people into that opening so that they can, they can really learn to grow in prayer together as a parish family. Yeah, I really like that idea of, now, I hope I don't get chastised for this, but not going away from the Our Fathers and the Hail Marys, but sometimes we have to just have a conversation and teach people how to have a conversation with God. Yeah, because there's so many times that people are like, well, I, I don't I'm not a Protestant. I don't know how to do those types of prayers. My wife calls them freestyle prayers um, where you just kind of just talk. Right. It's, it's not a, a formulated prayer that the church, you know, a couple hundred years ago 
had had made or created, but they're actual prayers from your heart. And when you when you open it up, people are like, oh, that that was really good. I can do that. Mm-hmm. So you're showing people how to pray. And all of a sudden now it's not just a, you know, uh, a, I don't want to say random. That's not the right word, but just uh, it, the Hail Marys aren't anything more than just a repetition of prayer. Right. Versus mm-hmm. a, an actual need that we're we're bringing to Mother Mary to pray for. Um, it becomes just an empty prayer. So I, I really like that idea of of showing them how to pray. And it's more than just the your traditional Our Fathers, Hill Marys, Glory Bees, Fatima prayer, you know, whatever you want to call um, your normal stock prayers. So I really love that idea. Yeah. And I there's you can see it click into people's brains when you explain to them how God speaks sometimes, how we can perceive him. And he, the truth is he's always pouring his love out on us. He's always communicating his love to us. But we do need to learn to receive the way he communicates, to, to perceive him the way he communicates. One of my favorite is, is um, and you've probably experienced this, Ty, if you've ever been sitting there in the middle of a homily and completely checked out, zoned out, but then the priest says that one line and it's like, there's like that snap and you just heard that one line for whatever. It just pierced through the haze of <laughs> whatever it was you were daydreaming about. Have you ever had that happen? No, I've never daydreamed during mass. <laughs> I'm always a full participant. But I, I think the, oftentimes those are the one lines that, that you hear that. And for whatever reason, it resonates. And I do, but like the Holy Spirit is real. God is real. And there's times where he pokes or he prods your heart to get you to pay attention. And those moments where your ears just perk up and, and suddenly you're zoned in and you hear that line and, and it applies. And these are very real ways that, that the real living God that we worship seeks to communicate directly heart to heart, right? That he is speaking directly to you. And, and I love watching people's eyes light up because it puts them in contact with God in a new way that they didn't really believe was possible. But now suddenly, well, if that's possible, then the rest of it's all possible. And and there's no limits. And God really is God. And blessed am I because I'm his son. Amen, amen. Preach. Yes, preach. All right. The second suggestion I would make is, is to set up your parish uh, to respond to the really the practical needs of your community. And, and I, I think that this is the evangelical church at her best. And it, when the church meets, real needs in the world, conversion happens, right? The, the church started feeding orphans and widows right away in the book of Acts, and people were flocking to the church. People were complaining if their orphans and widows were being neglected. I mean, it created that buzz. People started to come to them because they were meeting real needs, and then they encountered real love. And then the church started building hospitals, and then it started building schools to meet education needs, health needs, and then the whole world was converted. When you meet real needs, um, you, you show people that they're loved and you show them that they belong there. And it taps into something really deep, like that connective part of the human heart that connects the two people across the table when you meet those real needs. Um, and, and so to meet the needs in your parish can be a really powerful way to begin to build the relationships that lead to deeper connections, deeper engagement in your parish. And obviously financial giving is, is an obvious one, right? There, there might be people who need you to write a check for them to help make ends meet, to, to be able to get presents at Christmas. But there might be something different than just handing out those, the, the money, right? You maybe, um, maybe you can identify some parishioners 
that that do handyman work, maybe they're plumbers or electricians, and they will tithe their time to parishioners who are in need. And that can be a real way to provide for the needs. They can't afford to fix up X, Y, and Z. Well, guess what? Our parish can help you with that. Um, I knew a guy that helped helped um, single mothers to fix up their cars, Ooh. right? He, he That's what he did. It was one of his ways of time. Um, maybe you can find somebody that, that'll help people do their taxes around tax time, help them to maximize their dollars that way, give them a little education, do some Dave Ramsey, get out of debt stuff, um, smart investing events, whatever. If that's a need in your in your community that you can begin to feed and and hopefully create a bridge to draw people in. Um, this is obviously going to change on depending on the dynamics of your parish too. If you've got a lot of elderly couples, you know there might be a need for grief counseling as as spouses are passing away. Um, social ministry support, um, visits for the homebound. If you've got a lot more younger couples. I genuinely think babysitting is like the thing that you need to be doing so they can go out on date nights because you, every time they come to drop their kids off, that's a touch point for you. One, if you have the opportunity to feed the kids two, you have the opportunity to invite the parents to something either way you're taking care of and meeting a real need for them. Um, and, and it just becomes real family formation, right? Or maybe you want to do a to toddler holy hour or something for them. You know, there's real opportunities for younger couples as well. And, of course, in order to pull any of this off, right, this idea of setting your parish up to respond to the practical needs of your community, you actually need to know your community. You need to know those dynamics. You need to know some of the demographics of your parish and how those play out in real life. Um, and it's definitely going to involve having to go outside of the parish walls too, right? Um, there may be other opportunities and maybe it starts with cleaning up part of your community that, that needs some love, building a new park for the youth. Uh, maybe even just going and visiting the nursing home, setting that up as a regular um, investment the parish makes in the community. Um, number like three. It. Oh, go ahead. No, I said I was just saying I I like that idea. You know, I've I've got a four month old that, you know, childcare is important if you want date night. Um, not that it's not part of date night or it isn't fun to have you know, your, your four month old, but sometimes it's just that, that little connection of, Hey, let's go pray together. And there there's, you know, the church is offering somebody, you know, it could be somebody that has to have service hours for uh confirmation. Um, it's going to watch, you know, my son and my wife and I can go pray the rosary. Now we, we tend to pray the rosary at home, but it's kind of around bedtime um, but you can't be praying in front of Jesus himself. So, you know, during adoration or, um, if there's a, a holy hour, you know, I think it'd be fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Number three, the third thing I would consider is doing an intentional discernment of gifts with your parishioners. And it's a lot, the image I have in my head is a puzzle, right? You've got all these different pieces that form this, this picture that is your parish. But it's a lot harder to put the puzzle together if you don't have the picture side up, if you don't know what colors you're dealing with, what patterns you're dealing with, shapes, all that stuff. So on a superficial level, yes, you're, you're trying to plug the pieces into the right places. You're trying to plug the talents into the right ministries. That's kind of the superficial way of looking at it. But on a deeper level, what you're, what you're really doing is helping your parishioners to understand that they are the answer to their neighbor's need for God's love in their life. And that these specific gifts that he gave them are a part of meeting that need. Now, as a, as a simple start, you, you could do something simple 
like an intake form that says, hey, what's your occupation? And you, would you be interested in tithing that in some way, shape, or form? And then you know to follow up and see what that might look like. On a deeper level, there you could also, if you're not sure where to start this, we do have a spiritual gifts assessment that we've put together that could help. And uh, it's it's a really practical guide for parishioners to begin discerning their gifts and commit to using them. Um, so if you're interested in, in learning about our spiritual gifts inventory, uh, our assessment, or maybe you want to bring us in to run a parish mission with your parish, you can send us a message at catholicmenpros at gmail.com, and we'd be happy to have that conversation with you. And then moving on from that, I would say number four is really just to, to insist on parent participation in formation and sacramental prep. And I, I do believe in a rural parish, this can be a game changer. Um, I, there, there's a great report out there. If you haven't read it, look it up. It's free. It's a report on Catholic American religious parenting. That's, that's the title of it. It's from Notre Dame. And you can just Google it, a report on Catholic American religious parenting out of Notre Dame. Download it for free. And what it really talks about is how the religious outcomes of our youth have almost nothing to do with what happens at the church. It has everything to do with what happens at home. If you want your kids to be Catholic, you have to do more than just take them to religious ed, push them through confirmation. And, and it does a really good job of explaining that and gives you really good vernacular for explaining this to the parents when you tell them that if their kids in the program, they need to be in the program. And, and it talks about these four, four components of effective transmission. And those four components are just the parent's story of faith. It's the why I'm Catholic story, you know, why our faith is important. For me, my mom's answer was a huge part of my remaining Catholic when I asked her why she was Catholic, because I found out she had converted. And what she told me was that the Catholic Church had the answers to the questions she had always asked about why we believe this. Growing up, nobody ever had that answer, right? They always said, well, you just have to have faith. And she said, that's great, but, but why? <laughs> the church had answers for that. That was really impactful for me. Later on, as I got older, you know, my dad would say, you know, I, I like being Catholic. And I, I got to tell you, John, anytime I've ever had, I didn't know, anytime I didn't know what to do in my life or what the next step was, I always gave it over to Mary. And she hasn't disappointed me yet. Like really simple, profound statements of just this is why this is important to me. Flowing from that, then the next component of that is their intentional effort to build up the culture at home. And the, the rest are kind of related to that. It's the religious practices. You know, uh, for us, it was rosaries on car trips. It was emphasis on going to mass um, in Lent, going to the stations of the cross, just building up that culture at home that was more than just mass and religious ed. Um, availability of the events, you know, of faith for, for our family, just youth group, things like that. And they were definitely invested and it was real for them. So having the parents show up to the formation programs with the kids, it gives you the chance to cultivate each of those four components of effective transmission of the faith, cultivate those into those events, give them opportunities to do that, literally to say, okay, parents, I want you to tell your kids why you're Catholic tonight. Right. And what that means is, too, you're not also you don't have to run around begging for adult volunteers because guess what? <laughs> You've got one per kid or two per kid. Right. It, you're able then to catechize and evangelize the parents, help them to raise their cap, their kids in Catholic homes, give them tips to do this at home, et cetera, et cetera. Again, this is a really, I believe, a powerful way to begin really 
cultivating a thriving parish, to build upon your thriving parish, to take them from to take them deeper into this mystery of faith. These four different focuses, these four different things that we suggested to invite them to pray with you, to have them to set up your parish to respond to the practical needs of your community, to have intentional discernment of gifts with your parishioners, and to insist on parent participation, information, and sacrament prep. And I think if you do those four, you'll you'll start to see real fruit and real depth beginning to to seep into the soil in your rural parish. I cannot agree more with the parent participation. As a catechist, nothing was more frustrating than feeling like you were babysitting, like we talked about with, you know, date night and stuff, because it really felt like confirmation class or any, any, I think any catechist will say it's frustrating when the parent just drops her kid off and they they didn't have a conversation with them about the topic that they talked about last week. Like what a, what an opportunity to build that culture. Like you said, in, in the, the house, that Catholic culture, but then don't just treat us catechists like babysitters, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? You should, we should be reinforcing what you're talking about at home, not the other way around, right? You're the, the leader of the domestic church and I'm pointing my finger right at, at fathers. Uh, if, the household is blessed enough to have a father in the household that is Catholic. Um, man, that's just so frustrating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I will tell you when I made this switch, I had a, a mom that came up to me and she said, Oh, this is kind of frustrating. That was my time to go to the, the gas station, have a quiet hour and I'd get a, a gas station, hot cocoa. <laughs> and, uh, and, it was funny because I was like, well, I get it. <laughs> you know, I understand that, but I appreciate you putting up with it. But she ended up becoming my best volunteer because she was available and, and she knew she could do it. And I kind of took away the excuses. And so when you, when you do that, they show up and it's powerful and it's good and it's transformative. And it is what we need to do in a lot of ways and, and to encourage our parents to be a part of it with their kids so that the parents can be the one passing on the faith the way God intended. Amen. Amen. So with that, I think let's move on to the devil's advocate. <laughs> dun, dun. Yo, John, this sounds like a lot of change. It's a huge undertaking and I don't have the space or time to implement any of this, let alone all of this. What say you? Uh, the struggle is real. Right. I, I really do understand this. I believe this because our our pastors, our staff in our rural towns, um, they're on the hook for everything. And they don't have a lot of extra time because they're they're probably running their own families, too. They've probably got kids at home. They're running to activities in the evening. The pastor is doing X, Y and Z on top of that and trying to be at the ball games too. It is hard to take on a new thing. So I want to tell you, you don't have to do all of them at once. You just start with start with one, you know, pick the one that resonated the most with you, maybe the one that got you most excited, but also to remember then that none of these have to look any one specific way that we talked about to think about how it might look in your parish. Um, You know, they might not be weekly things. It might be monthly or quarterly or less, you know, the way that you choose to implement them. And two out of the four that we suggested aren't even items that you have to actively do. Right. If you're starting with number one, opening your prayer life, you know, in my mind, that's the simplest one. It's it's sharing your prayer life. It's something you're already doing. You're just creating the space to allow others to accompany you alongside that prayer. Um, the, the second one, too, is is 
the, the second easiest I would say too then is that parent um, participation in the formation it because it's it can be a change that that is communicated for the coming year you know you can have a lot of time to front load it and then it's just a switch you make it doesn't actually create more events or more time or anything it's it's just a new way of doing things um the other the other two yeah they'll take a little work you know trying to really feed into your community the real need that's there and intentionally discerning with your parishioners yeah you may need to create some more opportunities uh, but you you don't need to do that all yourself you we're happy to help you we can help you we can do parish missions uh we can be you know kind of coach you through some of those conversations whatever it might be um but I also would encourage you to listen to to episode six and episode 37, where we share tips to create up to an extra hour in your day, strategic things that you can do to build a day that has more time in it so that when you are starting something new, taking on a little more, you have the time to do it. Yeah, if you're doom scrolling like I was, I mean, you, you'll easily find an hour just not doing that, you know, Absolutely. putting your phone away or detaching mm-hmm. yourself. but really get real like be honest with yourself in doing a time audit of like okay where am i losing my time you know you'd mentioned dave ramsey and he talks about how if you're if you're not tracking every dollar he's got an app called every dollar if you're not tracking every dollar that dollar is going to go somewhere Mm -hmm. right whether it's in your your bank account or somebody else's bank account in the form of a bill or a knickknack you're buying if you're not auditing your resource whether that's money or time it's going to go somewhere and unfortunately like for me in my case you know a lot of it was really funny hilarious memes and reels that added to my personality so i don't know who is going to show up now on our calls john because i don't i i feel less funny and less interesting because i have nothing to talk about because half of it is hey did you see that video i sent you (laughs) if if it makes you feel better you were never that funny to begin with so now you are lying. <laughs> I know so you're lying. I'm so sorry. I know you're lying. But anyways, <laughs> seriously, do a time on it. You'd be surprised mm-hmm. how much time you're wasting throughout the day that honestly go go in front of the blessed sacrament to to pray for 20 minutes. Literally, that's 20 more minutes than what you're probably doing right now, which yeah. is a sad reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say to, we are we can be surprised because you might say, "Well, I'm just going to check my email." on my phone really quick. I'm just going to look, but then that email becomes checking your texts. And then if you're like me, your brain goes on default and you're also going to check Facebook and Instagram or whatever it might be. And suddenly that real quick look to see if you have new emails becomes a 20 minute excursion. And then they've done studies. They've said that every time you disrupt your workflow, it takes you another 20 minutes to you know, get dialed back into the same depth. So that becomes another 40 minute waste of time where you could have been just really dialed in. If you set up some guardrails, some good practices, good habits that help you to be the professional that you want to be for Jesus in your people, in your parish. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So then what would you offer as some helpful tips? Yeah, we never want to leave you without actionable steps that you can take today and implement in your ministry. And and so the first actionable step, one thing I would pick one of those four items we mentioned above, and I would set it as a goal for your ministry for this year. Put a deadline on it. You know, we've talked about SMART goals before. You know, make it specific. You got to know specifically what you're shooting for. It's got to be measurable. How are you going to know if you're successful? It needs to be achievable. Like, don't don't shoot for the moon and miss, right? Um, but then also, it's 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 got to be relevant to the mission of the church to make disciples. 
and you need to be it needs to be time bound set a deadline on on it for completion Mm -hmm. so pick one of those four items above write it down you know write down the steps that it's going to take the conversations you're need going to need to have the things you need to do the things you need other people to do write those all down and schedule them in your calendar and if you do that you will be building accountability and and before you know it you'll be you know popping the champagne cork and celebrating a, a goal accomplished for 2024 love me some champagne All right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals podcast. If you want to transform your parish through your work, but you're not sure where to start, download our free parish health assessment at catholicministryprofessionals.com slash free assessment. It's just 36 questions. It only takes about five minutes to fill out. And afterwards, you will have a color-coded picture of your parish's health that you can then use to fuel better conversations, prioritize better work, and become a better leader. And as always, you can email us at catholicmenpros at gmail.com to share feedback, to request a free consultation. And finally, don't forget to text this episode to a priest or a friend in ministry that could benefit from it. Yeah. So last thing too, your priest or deacon or Catholic ministry professional could be on the show. You never know. We're always looking for new interviewees, new experts in the field. Yes. But with that, we'll see you in the vineyard.